0: Let me ask you a question. Are you getting enough? I bet you'd love more, right? Well, AdamAndEve.com wants to give you more with 10 free gifts. First, you'll get a little sexy surprise for you. Second, a specially selected toy for your friend. And third, a little something we know everybody will enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full length DVDs. Adult style, you know what I'm saying. Number 10. The 10th gift is free shipping on your entire order. Gotta love that. So what do you have to do to get your 10 free gifts? It's not hard. Yet. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code SEXNERD at checkout, and you'll get the 10 free gifts. Go check out adamandeve.com today, select one item, and you'll get 10 things, including free shipping. When you enter offer code SEXNERD, that's S-E-X-N-E-R-D, at AdamandEve.com. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey, SexNerd, Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Sandra here. I am delighted to introduce to you Corey Silverberg this episode. This was a wonderful sit down. I made a new friend. You get to witness it. We have never had a conversation before. And I've heard so many great things about Corey. I have admired his co-authorship of the book, The Ultimate Guide to Sex and Disability. He has just released a fantastic book. I mean, an, an important book. I'm not just... I mean, yes, I have and enjoy many wonderful books on the topic of sex, but this is a book called What Makes a Baby, and it's a book that rises to the challenge of creating a book about reproduction for young kids that works for any type of family and any type of kid and that is no small feat and it's also just a lovely wonderful book so it's a great gift um and honestly i enjoyed reading it a ton once i got my hands on it yay okay so a few things before we get into it uh yeah So I'm going to Austin today And I will be there this Saturday, September 27th At Forbidden Fruit at 1pm I'm doing a Q&A Talk and I'm going to be demoing Some neat sex toys that are lying around too So you never know what's going to happen So that's at 1pm I have gotten several people asking me if I'm gonna have a meetup or hang out this weekend look to the Twitter and Facebook feeds I think what I'm gonna do since I'm actually in Austin for my very first wedding I mean I've been to weddings before but this is the first one that I'm in and I want to be available for those sorts of things um, before my class at Forbidden Fruit. So once the wedding chills, um, I'll probably just post where I'm going to go get barbecue for that meal and be like, hey, if you want to swing by and say hi, I'll be here. I'll probably do that on Saturday and Sunday. So it'll be fun. It'll be real fun. Like tonight, I'm going to the Salt Lake. I don't expect you to show up. But hey, if I see you, hey, cool. But um, the Salt Lake has a hammock garden. It's a big barbecue ranch. And then they have a plate, Like a whimsical place Where you can go digest after um, Which tickles me pink. So I can't wait um, More dates Hey New York City I'm looking forward to seeing you soon uh, September 10th I'll be at New York Comic Con um, They have a whole week Of amazing programming And I will be teaching Boning 101 At the bar Madam X That Friday And having a great time At the Comic Con The rest of the time Yay Um, Los Angeles, I'll be back And teaching a blowjob class On October 20th Through Los Angeles Academy of Sex Ed uh, And Caltech Hey everybody at Caltech I'm coming at you in October Keep an eye out for flyers I will be speaking several times on dating Love and sex During the month of October and November Okay, those are dates Those are things um, Okay, so back to this episode Okay, so I have a theory. No, I have... Let me know what you think. I feel like this fascinating human that we're about to talk and we get right into it. So buckle up, everyone. Buckle up. I think he's the Ira Glass of sex. I'm just going to put that out there. Let me know what you think because he just... Right? Right? I can't even ask you yet because you haven't listened yet. Okay. Um, yeah. I, let's just do it. Let's just do this. All right. Go team fun. Get into it. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa. What are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone... Let's start the show. Oh well,
1: right. You said penis. Yes. Didn't you, didn't you?
0: I did. Okay.
1: I was. I thought I, yeah, I didn't.
0: It's when I am on other people's shows and they and I use a microphone and mm-hmm. I get all weird and be like because then they make jokes about it being a penis and right. it rubs off on me and then and then we're all talking
1: about penises. All of a sudden, penises are rubbing off need on to. you.
0: Yeah. No. 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 no.
1: I mean, in, you know, unless that unless that's what you want, which in is in case, it's fine. Yes, absolutely, Ab- absolutely. But, yes, just for the record, if someone wants to have a penis rubbing off on them, but you know what, I don't like that. Of I don't like most euphemisms for masturbation, and I, one of them I really don't like is like you've know, heard this rubbing one off. Do you know about rubbing this? one off? Yeah, I, that's terrible. Because all, th- all I think about is like, er- like, like <laughs> you're right. Uh, you, you know, when you wrote something on pencil on a line page, and then you're erasing it, and it never erases perfectly, and mm-hmm. you get all that kind of eraser shit on the page, and rubbing one off, it's like that sounds like you're killing someone.
0: If you're, if you're, <laughs> mast-
1: if you're masturbating, you're producing. You're like. You're 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 making you're creating I, a thing.
0: You know what comes to mind when I think of rubbing one off? Yes, it's tell not. Me. It's a little tell nonsensical. Me. Yeah, yeah, but whatever. But you know, like how in the olden days there were all those funny little dance moves, like doing the shopping cart where you pretend like you're you're pushing a shopping cart, and you're, you're shopping, and <laughs> yes. that's your dance move. Yes. It like the rolling the dice, like you. Yes. It's yes. like a jerk off, jerk off, toss, throw out the dice, right? Right. But it just seems like you're just that's like what you think
1: of with rubbing one off.
0: Yeah, like you're oh, rubbing, and then it's like. Psh-
1: it some it's
0: like there's rubbing. all my there's goes. all my, orgasm for, it is you. All my <laughs> orgasm for you so i think of rolling the dice okay well that's
1: that is nice so you know what the rolling the dice i don't mind although the rolling the dice is like the it's like the stereotype it's like the platonic ideal of a masturbatory gesture so uh i don't love it but i don't hate it whereas the rubbing went off
0: oh you don't love it but you don't hate it yeah um, that's
1: okay isn't it okay
0: it's totally okay yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Now let's see. What do I want to do? do I, want I don't to sit? know. What you can sit. Do? You can
1: sit here. You can bring, grab some. Pill- you want to grab some pillows from Melissa. You can get comfortable. You can take that. Could chair. I see that?
0: Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Just put oh, the.
1: Okay. You okay. take off my shoes. I want you to be as comfortable as possible. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. Yes, yes, yes. It's a weird thing about. Um, well, most of us do. Sex. I mean, well, there's different kinds of sex educators and do different things, but a lot of what we do, um, we don't. We don't bring our bodies to it no no i mean it doesn't feel safe always to have your body and i mean not for the educator well it's tricky for educators a lot of times to think about being bodies in a room talking about sex do you want what do you want to do you're not comfortable oh, no. so i, I just
0: for some reason i suddenly caught my because that, that bag over there looks like a bag i own and every time i look over there i'm like oh it's like my bag
1: maybe it is a bag you own no
0: no, no it, that's
1: it's melissa's but it has a has the uh, she had the bag made and they're available and it says uh big Big brothel is watching you (laughs) it's carol lee you know do you know who carol lee is (laughs) no i don't she's an amazing amazing um sex worker activist from no, no nice way. <laughs> you say from many years ago, it makes her sound old. Um, uh, although she is, I guess, a little mm-hmm. old. Um, but whatever, this is bad. See, now you start talking, and you're like, oh, right, I'm on the mic, and I'm actually saying something that I hope no one gets offended.
0: So uh, let me um, yeah. set a few set some rules. Uh,
1: <laughs> ground rules.
0: Boundaries and things. Um, I talk about everything.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, I don't talk about my family. Okay. And oh, I yeah. tend to get a little vague about my current relationship details. Sure, that's so those fine. Are, do you have any particular boundaries? Oh, I see. Or?
1: No, you can ask me. Well, look, here's the thing: you can ask mm-hmm. me anything you want, and I may not answer, or All I right. may answer in a vague way. But you're welcome to ask personally. Very often, I mm-hmm. don't actually. That's not the kind of sex educator I am. Although, what's interesting is the keynote last night. I did that, and I had really had never done it before.
0: Really? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did a sort of six-minute piece, like kind of reading performant something much more performative than what i usually do oh, i'm so um, sad i missed it yeah it was actually good uh i wouldn't do <laughs> it on a mic now um um but i would share it with you if you wanted but um um but anyway but it was I, it was exciting because so i'm older i'm 44 and um so i've been doing this for a long long time and um i really tend to do things i mean i always sort of improvise, but. I have a way of working, Mm -hmm. Um, and for a bunch of reasons, it just felt like I wanted to do something different here, Um, and so, I mean, honestly, I'll just get into it. I mean, part of the thing is that, um, unfortunately, uh, I was like, I'm always a little uncomfortable uh, to be at the front of the room. Um, Understandable. So, so I am white, and I look like a guy, and I'm not exactly that, but I'm but that's how i look and that's how mm-hmm. people treat me um and so and, and i have generally have a feeling not generally i very specifically have a feeling like we could go like a couple hundred years and just not hear from white men at all mm-hmm. as a mild correction and and, <laughs> and not and not that and not that there isn't you know it's a tricky thing to say because it's like not that white men don't have lots to give and we like th- like truly a white man is of no less value than anyone else but We just hear from, it's who we always hear from, it's who we always hear from first, it's always, you know, and so it's always a bit tricky because I like working best uh, behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, one of my jobs, this about.com job I have, which is writing, is kind of ideal because it's a huge audience, right? So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about the traffic, but it's millions of people who mm-hmm. get to read my stuff. But it's this ugly.
0: I Is it really? It's I, d- I didn't realize About. Com was that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I don't know where they are now, but at one point it was like one of the. When, when I started, it was like one of the top ten websites in the world in oh. terms of traffic. Um, but it's a very generic. They're about to redesign it, so maybe I'm allowed to say it. it's, oh, okay. it's. It's kind of it's an ugly site, um, and it's not like it, oh, and it's just like visually ugly. Like it's like yeah, and. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's... Well, it's an 80s... It's a site from, like... It's, like, not from the 80s. It's from the 90s. Um, and they have an updated <laughs> It's 70s. And then it's, like... it's like You know those, those great 70s websites? <laughs> um, they're made with, like, tape and hair. Like a mustache. Mm, I don't know what that meant. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's... So, so... But what they're very good at is they're very good at getting their content um, out in the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's not about... Like you, like you can. People go to about. dot com and they don't have any fucking clue who's writing this stuff.
0: Right. I um, always feel like is it like Wikipedia where anyone can do it? No, no,
1: no, no, no. So that's the weird thing is that because it's such a terrible design, <laughs> and because the New York Times owned it for many years and they were terrible managers of it, everybody thinks about about. dot as if it's a content farm, mm-hmm. um, but actually. People, well, I write all of their sexuality content. So there's like, really? it's like over a thousand articles um, and in, individuals write the content, uh, write the articles, and there's actually a really strict divide between editorial and advertising. Oh my so, God, like
0: the old days of journalism?
1: Like the old days of journalism. Oh. So I've been there since 2005 and never once, I mean, cause I was sort of expecting it's like, well, I mean, what sells online ads, it's like, okay, so they're going to want me to write about erectile dysfunction, right? And cheating or like, yeah. whatever you know. And I've never in since two thousand five received an email about could you write more about this or mm-hmm. uh, I mean it's a weird thing because uh, this is probably the point at which if you haven't noticed it I'll now point it out I ramble mm-hmm. and just go from one thing to another so you should you
0: have a strong you should, excited energy okay and, and you have a lot going on in your brain like, okay I see that
1: so you but you should you can corral this is this isn't just about me in fact it's really about you I will co- <laughs> I
0: will corral I will take a moment to corral yeah after you finish your thought about about dot com because okay. I'm curious.
1: Okay. So um Oh, but fuck! I just forgot what, what was my thought.
0: Oh, you were telling me you write uh, all the things. It's a great um, job for you to be oh, in.
1: Because oh, so so yes, because because nobody knows it's me. So I mean, my <laughs> name's on it. I mean, there's a little tiny picture. This was one of the funny things. I don't know. So I don't know about you. Are you very? This is terrible, and I apologize because there's. I'll we can talk more about this, but there's all sorts of reasons why I avoid social media,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which I'm happy to talk about. I Have a lot to do with anxiety okay. um, and hating myself. Um, and so I, so we have some mutual friends, I know, I mean, or at okay. least mutual work acquaintances. Well, um, most likely. Jamie, Jamie Waxman, I think is one Jamie of them. Jamie yeah, Waxman, definitely.
0: Yes. Yes. She's been on um, the show.
1: Yes, yes, I know. So I've known about you for a long time, but I don't actually know, like, do you have a lot of, do you have a big kind of web, like, like is your face somewhere where people see it?
0: Um, and I'm asking, it, I'll tell
1: you why I'm asking. It
0: is. It? is. I okay. personally am a little uncomfortable with people seeing my i am more comfortable now than i was two years ago when i started yeah i'm a lot more comfortable how about you uh
1: well so the funny thing is is that like i'm it's so easy for me to not um think about myself Mm -hmm. um so so it so i can like and it's one of the reasons i'm really good i do a lot of television um like like not like acting i do a lot of like mm-hmm. n- nonfiction, documentary television about sex right, right, yeah. um, and one of the reasons why i'm really good at it is just because it's very easy for me to forget the camera because it's actually easy for me to just be in a moment and do what i'm doing fantastic so uh yeah it's about it's like sex in a way it's like the thing i like about sex hmm. um, because it's a moment where you can do that because in real life when i'm not working uh, then i'm often feeling awkward and weird but then when we have sex you feel like you're in a moment.
0: I, you just solved a mystery for me.
1: Tell me. I know. And you know what? People can't see this, but you're actually <laughs> holding your head. Yeah.
0: I, I, my frontal like lobe was bra- throbbing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Excellent.
1: What's Eureka, the mystery?
0: that, because I, I it comes up so often about, oh, are you really a sex nerd? Like, you don't look like a sex nerd. That kind of thing. And the conversation <laughs> about what is a nerd. And, right. and a lot of these different and defining my terms and trying to prove who I am, and this comes up enough, mm-hmm. and one of the things about it, it being a nerd is is you're so obsessed and just fascinated and want to share and mm-hmm. you know right. these details and you're okay delving deep and it kind of causes a lot of social uh, awkwardness and, mm-hmm. and i and you made me realize <laughs> just yeah. now exactly that if you can find something in a, as just a, if you're natural, because my natural way is very nerdy, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not necessarily that I flag for nerd, but that I just right. have that kind of fascination. Right. If I can find a topic that I can just uh, lose myself in. Right. I lose my anxiety.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: You just solved that for me. That's part of That's possibly part of why we get so fixated on these topics like comics or whatever it is that we can really dig our teeth Uh, into. It's
1: so true. And it's actually, yeah. And I, I, it's nice to hear like, it's, uh, (laughs) I wouldn't have said what you just said, even though, yeah, like it's exactly right. And it's actually part of why I have such a hard time with social media Mm -hmm. because it never feels like that to me. It always feels, um, Oh, you're so self-aware. Yeah. I'm um, gonna I'm gonna move to this chair now. Oh, is that yeah. okay? And then we yes. can just use the you can both use the bed oh. as an ottoman.
0: Ooh, fancy ottoman. Well, just because
1: I just took your ottoman away.
0: I like that we're both okay. flexible enough to do this. Yes. Um.
1: Oh, are you? But be careful. Oh, right. <laughs> that chair yes. seems dangerous. I bounce.
0: I bounce. Okay.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, corralling.
1: Yes, corralling.
0: That brought you here today. Yes. Um. Usually, every episode on my show is a topic. Okay. And and tangents happen. Okay. Um but i like to create some kind of easy to enter like to just like i want people have a sense of what the general theme is okay and you're difficult because mm-hmm. i know my first fam- familiarity with you was um the ultimate guide to sex and disability, disability yeah mm-hmm. you co-authored that That's with right. a few others yeah and you've just put out a book called How to Make a... No, oh, no, What, what makes, makes a, a baby? baby? It's a beautiful book.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: it's oh, inside. I finally get to touch it. What Makes a Baby? Um, and um, my homepage, mm-hmm. when I open up my web browser, is BrainPickings.com.org.
1: Oh, nice. dot, yeah, dot yeah, BrainPickings.org. Yeah. And they yeah, just Maria.
0: covered your book. I
1: know she did. It was very nice And of it her. was my
0: first time. I think Jamie Waxman showed it to me at some point, but I didn't really get to spend time with it until... <laughs> Um, it got posted a few days ago yeah. and so it's funny that I posted it reposted it on my Facebook page. Oh, nice. Thank you. And I put want Okay. It just, <laughs> you know, it's like this. Mm-hmm. And and here I am holding it with the author. I know.
1: It's a weird, it's a very weird world.
0: So, I don't even know what I want to talk to you about because okay, you're you're, you're all It's the sex- tricky
1: because the truth is the way I work is actually and the, and, in tr- and in fact of like the work that I do where I actually get paid as an educator it's i mean it used to be so i mean so the truth is there's sort of three areas that i work in so i work around disability Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of my work so i go into so i'll just do this very quickly and then you can decide okay if we can start with something else if you want so i do a lot of work working in in rehab centers so i go and i train physiotherapists occupational therapists doctors psychologists to think about sexuality differently and to think about disability differently Sex and technology is another area. so I, And that's some, mostly... I'm training sexuality professionals um, and basically teaching them to think about technology differently. And so it's a lot about... Unfortunately, when we talk about sex and technology, we're usually... Sexuality professionals are usually talking about cyber-stalking and porn addiction. And of oh, course... Oh, really? Is that... Yeah. I was yeah. thinking In of the, teaching
0: them how to use social media effectively well, or sex toys.
1: They're into that. They're into social media. Yeah, they want to learn that too. But the thing is that they don't really... The, there's not a lot of um, opportunity, or there's not a lot of not a lot of room to think about how technology can be this amazing, powerful, creative, juicy, sexy, and mo- sexual sexual boundary expanding experience. We usually hear shitty stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's usually negative, including truthfully, for a lot of professionals, they're like, "I have to be on Facebook," right? <laughs> they, they don't really <laughs> want to be. Um, so I spend time trying to. I talk to them about sort of. I try to give them context about sort of the history of technology and where it's going and what's happening. So, that, so, that, so there's that kind of area. And then the third area is sort of used to be kind of about pleasure, and now it's more about access. But the truth is that in the past three or four years, I'm much more interested in talking to people about about how we do the work rather than what we talk about. So okay. I'm, I'm just making a comment. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 you know, a lot of sex educators they have a thing. Um, they have a thing. Have, what's, what's
0: the thing? The thing.
1: I don't know. Now oh, you're what's just, my now, thing? Now you're just now you're just now you're just asking for some kind of sex joke. Um, <laughs> you know what, what? What is your thing? I don't know. We're gonna find out. I'm gonna learn more about you. Okay. But, but I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like. <laughs> <laughs> Every sex exercise is okay, fucked up in some way. That's true. But that's not what I was talking about. Um you know they they are interested in LGBT youth oh, or the yeah they're focused. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I know it, it was fit, thing was too general, I guess. Yes. I'm sorry. It's bad. Oh okay. I'm no, not, no, I'm not, it's okay. I'm a surprisingly I surprisingly mean, bad talker.
0: No, my <laughs> my anxiety and my uh paranoia is like, "Oh whoa. There's a what thing? am I missing? What's the thing?" Right,
1: right. Wait, um, you don't know your thing? Didn't they give you a you know, card? Honestly,
0: I don't even really have a focus. Me a card, my right. membership card, membership where it tells card. me my thing.
1: Yes, and in the, in the sex nerd club. You or shall be uh, like uh, um, food sex. Right, squelching, 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 <laughs> squelching, squelching is a fetish we have to create. Squelching, so, no squelching, squelching. So it's <laughs> be like a fetish for people who rip you off, right? Isn't that that? To the, squelch the squelch. The if, the only, squelch. What does that mean? I think squelch. it means to be ripped off. Don't like, squelch me.
0: Don't squelch me i've never
2: said that
1: i think that no well no 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 i think it's, a, I, think it's a, I think it's a i think it's some a word from like the 40s or something i think yeah you're squelcher maybe i'm totally making this up but i feel like it's a real word and i feel like now it's like someone who gets turned on by being ripped off which would be a terrible fetish
0: that's really hilarious
1: like it's not there'd be there'd be no like there'd be no like percussive play or bdsm it would just be like you go somewhere. You only want to pay twenty dollars for this thing, and you have to pay twenty five. But then you like have a little <laughs> orgasm. Like oh, that. yeah. Well, a fetish. So it would be great. Right, yeah. When I used to work in sex, so I I worked I worked for over like twenty four years in sex stores. Mm-hmm. So that's how I started was working in a sex store. My dad got me a job in a sex store when I was sixteen, and. When I, I was a, uh, a member...
0: Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Your, your dad got you a, a job yes. in a sex store at 16. At
1: 16. So my dad was a sex therapist. Okay. That, 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 so that, oh, that, 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 so you that, second that, generation. That, that makes it, that makes it less, less weird. Second generation, yeah. I mean, we're very... Uh, uh, we, what, what he does and what I do are very different. But absolutely, a couple things happened. One thing is that sex was a legitimate not only was it a legitimate thing to talk about, so it was talked about in our house, but it was actually work, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. like, like knowing that people... I mean, because I didn't really... When I was a kid, I didn't... I mean, I, he's an MD. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was a kid, I don't know that he was still seeing... He had started off as a... as a Yes, thank you. As a um, family doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but people kept talking, asking him about sex, and he really wanted to talk about sex. So this was in the late 60s. Okay. Um, and by the time I came around... Um, uh i think he was only doing sex therapy Mm. um but of course like you know you're six years old or something and you know i knew what he did because because he had some notoriety because it was the 70s and it was toronto and there weren't that many sex therapists and he was also very happy to be public like he he would be interviewed in newspapers like he was very comfortable speaking in public did he
0: go back for psychological training after the md
1: so uh, he got trained as a sex therapist. So he got yeah. So he he got counseling training, and then he was a clinical hypnotherapist.
0: Ooh, I just um, did a uh, hosted a live show on erotic hypnosis. I okay. knew nothing about hypnosis. I'm
1: interested in this, and I know that we're here for you to ask <laughs> me questions. But um, I have I want to know more about what you think about erotic hypnosis because when I hear those two words together, why is it that I become mistrustful?
0: Um, because <laughs> it sounds i i I don't sounds sketchy, right, but then <laughs> you are clearly familiar with hypnosis probably from I'm very your father. familiar with hypnosis, yeah, and do you think that's shady no in anyway? no
1: no, no, no that's the thing i'm actually i i i'm I'm well, we can talk about it more another time, but um I think it's a problem with me. I don't think it's a problem with them. Okay. I think it's, I, but I'm interested... Yeah, I don't know why... Some things just seem sketchy. Like, this is like 100% well, about me. I mean, if it's you're learning I, about
0: it in the clinical sense, and then suddenly something that you go into, a clinical person who has training to handle all the yeah, stuff that comes up, and yeah. suddenly you're bringing to the bedroom as a hobby, right. that could be dangerous.
1: Is that what it is? So, so erotic hypnosis is more something that people do together for sex? Like, yes. in sexy times?
0: Oh, from my understanding from the... One and a half hours I spent interviewing someone on stage about it. Okay, and there were examples.
1: Okay, you mean, yeah, you mean stories. Um, uh did they demonstrate yes okay what was it like
0: there was an orgasm that i didn't know was going to happen that was awkward <laughs> wait
1: you mean un- not to me it, not no to no you. no okay yeah. no i
0: i had an agreement with myself that i would not be hypnot- like i yeah. did not want yeah. that to you be- were
1: working yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly it's, yeah, yeah. I, you know
0: mommy doesn't get to get hypnotized when she's on stage right right she's good, doing work
1: good boundary yeah good boundary <laughs> um, do, do do you call yourself mommy a lot
0: no, no, no! I think it's um, <laughs> I'm <still> insert-
1: <laughs> or maybe I'm not. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's weird. I that's a new thing. Actually, okay. I go through fa- linguistic phases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but okay. I don't mean to infant, infantilize my my listeners. Like I'm mommy or something. Oh, like, That's no. weird. It's funny. I, no, I didn't
1: hear. I, and I didn't hear Mama. it that way at all. I heard it as a way that you're talking to yourself rather than positioning your listeners. Oh,
0: I, yeah. No, yes. I do not talk about myself in third person. Is like Mama's got to go right. Get herself some <laughs> new pair of shoes. So yeah. uh,
1: wait, what were you gonna do? She's got to go do what? Go to the I, dentist. <laughs> where, where, where were you going exactly? I
0: would. I said I she's got to go get herself some dick tonight.
2: <laughs> some dick
0: tonight?
1: <laughs> oh, it does always come back to the penis with you.
0: Um, You know, I've been away from home for over a week. Okay. You no, know? I've been traveling.
1: Okay. It, I don't That know. is not meant as an insult.
0: Maybe I'm ovulating. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> That's my joke. Is that accurate that uh, females can possibly get m- more... Tur- oh. So...
1: Uh, I have a lot of feelings about that kind of science. Because I make jokes uh, about it. Yes. And
0: it seems to be backed up, but then I get actually more aroused uh, when I'm f- as far away from ovulation as possible. Okay,
1: yeah. So here's the thing about, <laughs> and this is the thing I learned when I was doing an undergraduate degree, mm-hmm. and you may already know this. There's really, when it comes to kind of quantitative um, social science, mm-hmm. which includes psychology, and which is in most of that kind of sex research, um, um, any, but even hard science, I'm going to say, um, for any point, you can find a study that proves that it's the case. It, data is something that we make.
0: That's why I have such a hard time with science. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. you should have a hard time with science. Science, science is more like art than anything else. But the scientists don't like to think about it that way. Okay,
0: um, well then, what do I have to go on? Because I'm tired you of want? people. This is
1: great a conversation. But w- what is it that you want?
0: out of my career? No, no, no.
1: Okay. Oh my god, yeah, we're getting to career oh, where are we going? No, no. So um uh well, well let's talk about ovulation and your sex drive. So do why why is it useful for any of us to be able to say that there has been studies and that we know that uh that people who menstruate uh have more desire three days around their ovulation. Um, why is it useful? Yeah.
0: It's not. It's just something that's come up a lot, and so right, I figured right. it was important. I y- mean, it y- is y- interesting that we don't light up pink when we're ovulating or showing that we're fer- more fertile
1: than usual. Right, right. In,
0: in that, like, what do they say? Like, we're one of the few species where there's you have no idea when. Yeah, the yeah, 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 fertile. that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess it, the thing is, and this wasn't about what you were saying, but just because you were saying like, yeah, that's why you have a hard time with science. I'm supporting your hard time with science. I feel like science. Um, is great when it serves us. But honestly, when it comes to sex and so this is, Mm -hmm. so I think that it's, we can't think it's all the same, right? So science about brain cancer Mm -hmm. and science about orgasm, those are very different things and they do get treated the same. It's like, well, it's science. That's actually not true. Um, they're not the same in so many ways in terms of how they're made, in terms of how, how this, how science is produced. Um, and I just, I'll say this quickly and then I'll wrap up. But, uh, that, uh, the science around sex, I think, is almost always more harmful than good.
0: Whoa, that is yeah. a big statement. Go, go. That is a big statement. We, we can talk
1: about it. We can talk about it. I want to talk about well, it. Whatever you want to talk about.
0: As I've been considering, I, I have a BA. Okay. I don't have any graduate work um, under my belt, and I was going to go. Great, though. Uh, thank you yeah i would like right. more scientific literacy i really would sure but whenever i spend some in-depth time with research mm-hmm. usually i find some flaw that drives me crazy mm-hmm. or an interpretation an interpretation that pisses me off yeah yeah um and so but yet i i would rather at least some studies to notice some kind of in some sort of pattern or whatever versus us just guessing and
1: assuming that but we don't guess we do what you're doing which is we meet people and we talk to them and we ask them questions uh, but I don't think, an, I I think the alternative, but yeah, the anecdotes, so anecdotes.
0: but then we like, oh, I'm going to decide that my personal experience of how I orgasm is going to, to correlate or to, to line up with all other no, women.
1: No, 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 you won't. And the thing that the science will tell you is that it does or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so that makes you either feel good or bad. Um, <laughs> I, I look, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I just feel like I honestly feel like the, the sex research is not. So much of sex research is it's interesting and well meaning, but I'm just, again, I just feel like it actually does us as individuals more harm than good. When, the, here's the thing I have the benefit of not thinking about populations, mm-hmm. right? So I don't work in epidemiology and I don't work on population levels. So if I was trying to figure out how to reduce HIV in mm-hmm. a population or how to um, get more people to use a certain kind of birth control, I would need to think about it on that level. I don't. I don't need to because that's not you what I don't? do. No, because I work with individuals. I get, to, I get to meet people like you. I get to meet lots of different people, thousands of people over my 26 years of working and talk to them and listen to them and help or work with them, think through struggles they're having around sex or questions or joys or whatever it is. Um, and I don't find that science helpful. I, I kind of want to say ever. <laughs> I do.
0: Okay. Question though, if you're reading, if you're writing about .com articles,
1: yeah,
0: and you don't know who's reading that. I mean, it's millions and billions of people finding yeah, yeah. that article. Mm. Mm. Are you just going to assume who that person is and and what they need to hear? Right. Or that's like, a, how that's do you a great write? Question. To... It's a
1: very hard. Yeah, it's a very hard thing to figure out how to do. How please, do
0: you... I, I struggle with writing all the time. Yeah. So if you have any.
1: Yeah, I mean it depends on the topic, right? So, I mean, for about.com, dot com, I'll write reviews of science. So, so mm-hmm. there's a you know a study of you know hookup culture, or there's a study of whether or not semen is an antidepressant.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, both, <laughs> that one. <laughs> both
1: of which are actual studies. Um, there's this one guy who loves to study uh, how he loves studies. He loves to study how intercourse, penile vaginal intercourse, is better than any other kind of sex. This is a guy in the UK. All of his work is about that. I'm sure that has nothing to do with him personally, by the way. Mm
2: -hmm. That's
1: me being sarcastic. (laughs) Um, Literally, he's so fucking invested in proving. He did one study where he proved, and I'm using air quotes around this, that uh, orgasms from penile vaginal intercourse were 400% better, that was the headline, than orgasms from masturbation. (laughs) So this is sort of just like nonsense bullshit science, but it's science Mm -hmm. and it's published in peer-reviewed journals.
2: Oh god. Anyway,
1: so I write that, I write, reviews of sex toys and then I write stuff about dealing with um sex um at the end of life so palliative care how do you talk about sexuality when you're either in palliative care or someone who you love is is in palliative care is that
0: like hospice
1: yeah so hospice okay. when you're right at the end of your life um so um so the answer is how, how do you write for such a general audience first is you have to accept that you're not so one of the things that I accept is that my writing is not going to be accessible in terms of reading level for a bunch of people um so oh, okay. so so i just accept that it's if i if i wanted to write like when i'm writing educational material i will often write in much more plain language so that it so that their people's education level isn't as much of an issue
0: you don't consider your about.com writing educational material
1: well, it is, but I didn't mean that. So when, if, if I'm producing... No, no, it is, but I, I'm, I, sorry, I meant other kinds of educational material. So if okay. I'm producing a pamphlet as part of a program, when I'm writing for kids, mm-hmm. um, um, the language is very, is very basic. Um, when I'm writing for Boat.com... Uh-huh. Um, when I'm writing for about.com. Um so one thing is I one thing is I've I've already kind of narrowed the field of who who's gonna read this stuff, because they're probably gonna click off if they see words they don't understand. Um, then though, I mean part of it is who you keep in your head as the as the as the reader. And this is probably one of the things I'm very well, I should say I'm very good at it's, not, it's actually not accurate. This is one of the things that makes me unique because my reader is basically anyone so my reader is not someone who necessarily my reader might be heavily identified as male or female or somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. or trans and not male or female or you know trans but male or trans but female Mm -hmm. or gender queer so in terms of gender i don't make those kinds of assumptions and so i use language i you know i use third person pronouns which some people don't like Um, um in terms of their experience of sex I'm trying to write for someone who may have never had sex mm-hmm. or someone who's had a uh, tons of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly am aware whenever I'm writing that I'm writing for people who, for whom a lot of their sexual experience will only have been about, around violence and coercion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm really not, you know, I, I did used to, I did used to sort of say that I kind of, that the, I work in a way that gets called sex positive. I almost, I don't have a, a problem with the term, But I've kind of given up for myself because it just doesn't fit for me anymore. It's
0: like you do Rorschach writing.
1: Uh, Well, yeah, maybe it is, you know. And and so it works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. Here's the thing, though. I mean, one of the reasons that it doesn't work is that some people, what people want is something very specific. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you were to compare me. So there's a difference between someone like me. I'm an educator. And my goal is to kind of... um, Keep myself out of it as much as possible, so you have sex yeah. educators and also sec- people who are more sexual performers mm-hmm. who like to like talk talk and teach but i 'm not really sure that they 're edu- like, and I, I think the word educator it 's okay to draw a circle around that. Being someone whose primary goal is to convey some piece of information and who has some skills to do that. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean graduate school, right? That doesn't mean that. But if I discovered that if I'm like a woman and I didn't have an orgasm till I was thirty, and I discovered the Hatachi magic wand and having orgasms mm-hmm. and. It changed my life and I decided that I want every woman to have this discovery. And I go out and I do workshops and I talk about myself and my Hitachi magic wand and how I use it on my clit and how it's amazing and how it blew my mind and how it changed all these things. That's about me. yes, And that's great. And, and, and lots of people, in fact, I think, more people in ways connect to that kind of
0: storytelling storytelling. Yeah.
1: Um, um, but it doesn't work for me at all. Um, because I'm not interested in myself really in that way. And it's why I don't really talk about my, my personal sex life. And it's funny cause I have no problem doing that, but well, I mean, it depends, um, on with who, but, um, but I just don't think it's relevant maybe and maybe it came from years of working in sex stores so right huh. you know when you're working in a sex store and when you again you look like a guy which I do um, and you work in queer sex stores or in women's sex stores my mm-hmm. first sec, the first sex store I worked in was kind of labeled as a woman's sex store
2: which one?
1: people uh, it was called Lovecraft it was in Toronto
0: Lovecraft yes, so that's yes, a good yeah. um, it's, a di- it's a nice change there's a lot of anyway yeah so, like.
1: well so it's old, it's actually one of the oldest it's the oldest women owned sex store in North America really? But the thing is, the women who ran it, they ran it as a business, and they, weren't, and they weren't invested in those politics around I being see. women-owned. So they never really advertised it. Um, it's that store that I started. I got my first job in. Um, so when you work in sex stores, um, you don't want to – you know it's not about being sexy, right? And in, fact, in fact, it's quite the opposite. I feel like um, if you want to make a safe space in a, pl- in a place like a sex store – it's about letting this person know that they can talk to you about anything and you're not going to come on to them. It's not going to, like, yeah. that, that you can kind of contain whatever it is they're going to talk about. And when people start flirting, which is great mm-hmm. and lovely, but then it's a different thing, right? We don't, we feel, we feel excited, I when, see what we feel you're excited saying. when we flirt, but we also feel a little uneasy. It's like, well, I'm flirting with you then I hope you like it, right? And I don't want people to think about whether or not I like or don't like them or what they're doing. I want them to know that I'm just there to listen to them.
0: I will say right? I'm entering a new phase in my career. Okay. Um, where I've been trying to... I, this is out even beyond the realm of just sexuality, but um, and, it, and it is starting to become a little bit more anecdotal and I'm aware of the mm-hmm. ethics of that shift. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot more of just accepting that this, my story and what I care about is there's so much around anxiety and Mm -hmm. depression Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. shame and, and, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. vulnerability. And just like, um, earlier today, yesterday at Woodhull, I went to a session all about, um, how we use linguistics. Okay. Um, but really became a discussion group around, um, we as sex educators, Feeling great in and in like a, a level 10 comfort in talking about sex if mm-hmm. it's about co- like intellectual concepts. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But the minute it's about my sex or my experience, yeah. I get very uncomfortable. Like, not yeah, so uncomfortable, don't. but it's well, still. But people
1: do get, yeah. I mean, I, I, part of my keynote yesterday was talking about this that, um, I mean I spend a lot of time most of my time training professionals mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't do a lot of like uh, like workshops for regular folks about having sex um, I mostly train professionals train other educators um, hmm. and we, and so yesterday in my keynote I talked a little bit about my sex life which I never do um, And um, but I talked about how we don't do this we don't talk about the connections between our personal sex lives and our work mm-hmm. um, um, and I think it's because it's hard it's painful and it's weird and it's conflicting. I mean, like there's, you know, the thing that you learn. So when I was sort of learning sex education, so late eighties, early Mm nineties, you know, the classic story around this is that you get a room full of, uh, um, sort of, so this is the nineties. You get a room full of lesbian or queer women, Mm -hmm. uh, who are, um, being sex educators uh, and doing HIV prevention, mm-hmm. whom all were talking about dental dams. Mm-hmm. And you get them in a closed room and you say, how many of you are using dental dams? And no one puts their hand up. Mm-hmm. No one was using dental dams. All the sex educators um,
0: talking about to how, everybody else.
1: about how you have to use this. Right. Right.
0: I told a story at Body Storytelling uh, at several, several sex ed conferences ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my first time telling a story on stage. Okay. And it was that... I had this deep, dark secret that I had never used a dental dam. Mm-hmm. And and so, well, at the time, <laughs> where the story started. <laughs> but I forced myself, as I started to, to have a experience with women, I forced myself to use dental dams. Yeah. And I ended up, I mean, it was just, it was several different mishaps along this journey of the story. Okay. But at one point, I am trying to use it, and yeah. I inhale, and I get it trapped in my face, and I, like, have, like, Chocolate. a near-death experience. <laughs> but I don't want to ruin the mood, so I'm, like, silently oh, no. choking and, like, trying to pleasure this is, wild. This does
1: not make for good <laughs> sex. <laughs> but for like, you, anyway. Maybe it was fine for them. <laughs>
0: but anyway, it was... I'm glad to have told the story but yes i i absolutely know what you mean being in that room and seeing that many people mm-hmm. not raise their hand yeah and not walk yeah. not walking the walk
1: yeah yeah and i mean and I, and, and, uh, or either both whatever not using the dams <laughs> not licking the dam i think is what is what you meant to say sure. um um but um but it's fine i mean you know the thing is like wh- like i think the lesson for me there is not about how educators need to do more like what they say the lesson actually is a little bit how i think educators need to shut up a lot more than they do Mm -hmm. um we 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 are i mean this is also what the keynote was about it was was about answers like that we give answers and i don't i actually my work what i've come to realize is that my work is absolutely about not giving answers what's it about then um so what it's about so it's about connecting with people okay and that's difficult that's not an easy thing to do and and people know how to network and they know how to J- exchange emails and they know how to like each other on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually making a connection with a person
0: and resonating without it being about a storytelling experience where you share, like overshare about your sex life. Right. right that's easy.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I guess if it's easier to do or not, it's yeah, it's a way of m- making a connection, but, but when you do that, yeah. So it's about, so number one is I'm interested in kind of connecting with people and I'm interested in mostly in connecting across difference. So it's like one way of talking about, um, uh, so one way of talking about being a white person and uh, doing a lot of work with people of color and communities of color, uh, um, um, being... It gets complicated with all my other identities, but um, but one thing is connecting. And then the other thing is uh, making a lot of space. Mm-hmm. So this is something we don't know how to do very well. And as this has a lot to do with sort of my own sort of figuring out about my own identity and basically not wanting to take up a lot of space anywhere. And one of the things that's great about that, when you get, I'm very, very good at it. I'm very good at not, I'm very good at being present and not taking up space. Um, And so most of my work is done. And most of, most of my work is done um and for a long time most of my um life was uh a lot of my lifetime was spent life was spent in communities that are different than mine so a lot of i mean so so a big part of my life is disability so i'm not Mm -hmm. disabled but disabled people and disabled community and disabled culture and art and sex is all part of my life and Mm -hmm. so you know i've had you know partners and friends and Mm -hmm. now family members um but it's not i don't live without i don't have that lived experience of disability Mm -hmm. um um that's an example, um, and so you know. I'll just—I don't know. This, this may be rambling, but I I'll, I'll share the story of one of my very good friends, who is um, one, of the, one of the co-authors of this sex and disability book, and she's disabled
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a disabled activist, and we're very close, and we would we a lot—we spent a lot of time together uh, when we're writing the book, and then afterwards and uh we were both single well we were both single well no let me rephrase that because <laughs> that we're both having sex but uh not with each other but we were both so she identifies identified herself as a lesbian i think and um we neither of us were in the relationship we wanted and we were both mm-hmm. very very lonely oh. and, and yeah and for a long long time so for me it was about 10 years of being i mean i was sort of non-monogamous for probably 15 years mm-hmm. And lots of great sex and lots of great relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but not the one I wanted. I wanted a primary partner. I wanted a best friend who I also had sex with. Who I spent all my time with. Okay. Um, and she wanted this thing, too. Um, and we would. We were very... Uh, it was nice. So, you know, that you could be... Because it's not the kind of thing people want to hear about over and over again, right? People get tired of hearing you complain that you're not, you can't find the right person. But and, if
0: you have a friend that you can talk about how much you want the thing and they, right. they care about it, too, you can both you know, misery loves company
1: exactly yes so we were miserably comfortable together or <laughs> com- company together um but it was important that actually so we would have these very and we're very close these were intimate conversations and we're being very supportive of each other lots of tears that kind of thing lots of ice cream um but uh, but after those conversations and sometimes during those conversations, we, I would always have to kind of remind myself that it's actually different for the two of us because she's a power wheelchair user. And the truth is that the reasons that she was alone, Mm -hmm. um, are different than mine. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so difference matters, right? So the truth is that if you are, are are visibly disabled, you get treated differently in the world. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. If you're, if you read it, if you are a person of color um, um, and you read that way, so I mean, if you read as white, then you might walk through the world without knowing what that feeling is like, um, although you still have these other things. But if you're read as a person of color, um, you are treated differently on the street. It's just the way it is. Difference matters. But uh-huh. there's these points of connection, right? So the fact is that we have this very like, deep heart connection around this pain that we we're both having. But it's important to actually remember this, these differences, of course, um, um, because when we don't, we kind of erase part of who that other person is. Um, so I, and, and 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 to do that, you got to make space. Because the truth is that when you are, this is this is, I think a lot of people's experience, not everyone's experience, but when you kind of live with these kind of multiple marginalized identities, which is fancy words, but what it means is you never see yourself anywhere. You're always being told that you don't Mm -hmm. exist. And it's not, I mean, it's, you know, sometimes it gets, I get sick of talking about it because it's just fucking words and it's not words, right? You feel it deep in your body. Right. And I've just lost. Oh, right. And so the (laughs) thing is that my friend is not gonna, if I don't make the room, Mm -hmm. for her so we have this really powerful moment Mm -hmm. about we're really both totally bummed out about this okay she's not gonna say in those moments probably you know it's different for the two of us Mm -hmm. right because because if she says that it feels like she's putting me down right it feels like she's not acknowledging my feelings Mm -hmm. so it's actually my job and this is part of like being an ally uh, which is a word i'm also putting in quotes um um or doing the actions of an ally whatever you would call it um is it's really my job to make that space in the same way that as someone who's white, it's really my job to bring up race because being white, you don't have to, right? Okay. Lots of white people go through, go through life and never talk about race
0: because if the person who's experiencing that extra layer of struggle, yeah, brings it up, it, it's oh, what's, what would you call that? It's it's like they're whi- it sounds like they're whining or, or they're afraid they're whining. It doesn't sound like they're whining, but yeah. like it. Or it um yeah
1: or or well but also it's just they get sick and tired of doing it right the thing is it's like it's fucking annoying to have to yet again be the brown person in the room who's calling someone out who's on stage mm-hmm. who's getting all these applause and says something fucked up mm-hmm. um, um, it's why I have started saying this thing about white white men um, um, that that we could we could do without hearing with them mm-hmm. from them for a long long time um, and not that it's not things that are of value that white people have white men have to offer but it, you know sometimes I thought, like, I shouldn't say it because I am white and um, I look like a man, but actually it's friends and sometimes uh, uh, it's friends who have said, actually, no, you should say it because all of us are, when we say it, people think we're complaining yeah, because or whatever you're right?
0: holding the place of the default authoritarian figure always yeah so if you say it, it has more weight for people who need that sort of structure and, and yeah may, i power. mean maybe
1: i mean it's interesting it's always weird to say it in a room full of white people mm-hmm. i don't know what they do with it i mean i'm very i'm very nice i'm a very nice person so and i have a and i'm because i'm uh like uh um Scared of people? Is um, he scared of people? I said scared of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just like I'm very uh, aware of like not wanting people to hurt me emotionally or physically. Am I scary? Um, no, you're fine. No, no, you're okay. Okay. You're, oh no, no, not you. <laughs> okay. No, I'm taking a room when I'm talking. When I'm okay. teaching. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Like in groups.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: I'm feeling a little bit threatened. No, no, you are fine. Your socks. Come on. You have these argyle socks on. Right away, you're a safe person. I'm fierce.
0: Wait, I could do anything. You, you don't even know how much danger could do you anything, are right I, now. <laughs>
1: oh, God. But no, you could do anything. But the Argyle socks, the purple Argyle socks say, you'll be kind. <laughs> Darn it. I know, you know, you give yourself away with. Foiled again. Uh, Foiled again. I, everything else about what you're wearing is fierce. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, anyway, the point is that uh, it's funny because I don't know what white people make of it when I say it. And because I'm very nice, I don't get a lot of criticism, which is too bad because. People, you know, I want to hear it. So it's actually this is an interesting thing because I'm tired of talking. So I'll ask you this: huh. um, This is actually a real struggle for me. Is not, I, it's hard for me to get a lot of really good critical feedback? Okay. Um, when I'm working, because the truth is that when you're in a room, I mean, this is one of my struggles with when I'm training sex educators. Is sex educators usually think they're doing a really fucking amazing job?
2: Do
0: they?
1: They do. Oh. Um, and and it's because they go up in front of a room and they do a thing. They talk about anal sex. Or they talk about or they talk about BSM or whatever it is. And most of us don't ever get to be in rooms where it's okay to talk about this stuff. So when we're there, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. It feels like, oh, it's so great. But a lot of the teachers actually are doing all sorts of little things that they could be doing better. Oh, completely. There's
0: a lot of quality control issues.
1: But the thing is, is that it's very rare for audiences when the topic is sex... They're not going to come up to you and say, like, that was great, but, you know, I mean, they might complain about something in the way a customer complains. Like, I wanted you to talk about my particular issue. But they're not going to say, like, you know, the way you talk, the way you said that really shut me down. Mm -hmm. Usually you don't get that kind of feedback, which is exactly the kind of feedback that educators need. I
0: don't even know. I feel like I didn't have even the words or the awareness to sense getting sh- I guess in my journey through becoming a sex educator mm-hmm. learning those communication skills was part of part of it mm-hmm. so i i don't know if back in the day i would have even been able to say that sort of thing,
1: right? It's, it's you mean as an audience, member, or as an audience it, member, as an audience member, yeah, right, right. So, did you, um, did you? So, you, I know one of the things you do is you give workshops because I know you because you just did one yesterday. Yeah. Um, did you go to a lot of these kinds of workshops before? Yes. Okay. And do you feel like that's part of the way you learn to figure out how you want to do it, or?
0: Yes, and in the last year, I've been breaking out of that, realizing okay. that I was following the same structure and patterns and 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 i was also like, trained by other sex educators that were doing workshops because mm-hmm. we say sex educator i mean we're talking about the the two-hour workshop format that so many follow okay yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah i've sort of followed in those footsteps um, but i'm trying to find ways that excite me mm-hmm. and really communicate Concisely and effectively and entertainingly and you know so I don't know I'm kind of in the middle You're of of, of upping my game right. for myself right because I, I want to be really good at this yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to just be like all right give me the money I I, I came no, and I did the thing right, right. You
1: know? but it's but one of the things that's hard about it is the bar is so low right so this is something that is true across the board with sex so you can say job, about it, you
0: did it right, Yay, right. Yeah. you can yeah. say
1: it about sex and art porn sex and writing sex research sex educators sex therapists there's so few people that are willing to do the work at all that the bar is very very low i remember i was doing an interview i I worked for 10 years on a television program about sex um yeah yeah it was in canada although it was international i don't think i've ever aired in the states um, so it was sold internationally. It was the most amazing thing. It was called Sex TV. And it was just a documentary-style show that was wow. awesome. It went from 98 to 2008.
0: Is it available on Netflix or etc.? It's et not. Center? It's
1: not available anywhere. It disappeared.
0: Wait, that's not it's right. So sad. It's that so is sad. not right at all.
1: I, I have some episodes. So if we ever get together again, we can watch some episodes. Uh, yeah,
0: you're in New York City? Uh,
1: I am in New York City, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyways, pajamas. so I was excellent. Excellent. And popcorn. And cupcakes.
0: And cupcakes, York, clearly. And cupcakes. Um,
1: <laughs> so I was interviewing the guy who at the time was the head of the Kinsey Institute. And, um, and he said this thing, and he said it on camera so I can say it again. Um, he, we were talking about something, and he was like, well, you need to know that, that sex research doesn't, doesn't attract the sharpest minds. Yeah. Right? And he's a sex, he's a sex researcher, <laughs> and so it was great. And he's kind of a, like a formal traditional sex researcher, like big, big white beard. Um, and unfortunately, it's true. Okay. Um, and it's not to say that there aren't super great, smart sex educators, or sex researchers,
0: <laughs> There's a demon that? in your bathroom. Oh my god! I mean, that's my
1: stomach. Uh, uh, or is it? Is, it is, your, is there an ice machine in your stomach? <laughs> um, anyway, so so yeah. So the bar is low. I don't know. I feel like I'm taking you everywhere. I feel like I want to. I feel like I'm worried about you in the show. Is this? Uh, should we be more uh, controlled here? I mean, is it okay? Are I
0: let you, go of that a while ago okay. because I am enjoying that we are capturing our first times in a conversation together okay, okay. as a podcast. Okay. I mean, cause we could just as easily just be like, Hey, let's get a drink and just chat. You right, know, right. let's like have breakfast. Um, so I'm liking that we're kind of getting into it. Okay, um, and okay, I already good. know that I like you okay. and I would love to look you up when I'm in New York. Yeah, next. Um, so I just, it's funny because I know it's easy to box people in at least into a topic per Mm -hmm, episode mm -hmm. and try and focus our energy, Mm -hmm. but I'm really enjoying where we've gone so far.
1: Okay, good, good. Well, let's keep keep going for a while.
0: Yeah, um, I would like to shift... Because the thing is, I think that you and I, Mm -hmm. I hope... That you're down for this, mm-hmm. it's okay if not. Okay, but to okay. talk more about <laughs> oh, yeah, the yeah, intricacies yeah, yeah. of our industry and mm-hmm. and your your thoughts, my thoughts, and I feel like we can do that more. Yeah. But for the listener who's yes. probably like, "Dear God, like, can we talk right. about sex a little
1: more?" Yeah, okay, let's talk about sex.
0: Uh-
1: <laughs> what do you want to Fucking? She would talk about fucking making love?
0: Can you tell me about what makes a baby? Because I missed your yes, keynote. I
1: absolutely can tell you what, what makes a baby. I heard there was
0: some research involved in making this, and I heard that there was some teary-eyedness going on. Yes,
1: there's there usually lots of tears. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you about it, and then if you want, I can read it. But it's better with pictures. Um, so the story behind what makes a baby is, and so this is actually, um, in my own work, I am transitioning now from doing, you know, I really only worked with adults. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for most of my career um and partly because i mostly do train the trainer stuff um so you don't do a lot of train the trainer stuff with little kids yeah. um um but uh to now working a lot more with families and with kids so the story behind what makes a baby is that uh i so i grew up my dad was a sex therapist my mom mm-hmm. was a children's librarian oh. so i grew up around books and around sex um and uh but i also grew up um, what I now kind of understand it to be what they call gender non-conforming or gender mm-hmm. independent. Mm-hmm. And what that basically meant was that Like neither boy nor girl really fit for me, Mm -hmm. but I had no language around that or no awareness of that around that when I was a kid. This was sort of the seventies, and so what it meant was the truth was that I just got read as gay, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. I kind of and I kind of knew. I mean, there was certainly a long time where I thought maybe I was gay. Um, I certainly find a lot of men sexy, Um, Mm -hmm. but I kind of knew that that wasn't it. Um, That um, that the way that I was, which was being read as gay, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: was it's part of like homophobia and transphobia and misogyny, Mm -hmm. wherein. If you act as if 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 someone who looks like a man acts a certain way, Mm -hmm. he's feminine and therefore he must be gay. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, so that's how I grew up. So um, so the truth is that I had I had all the information right. I had I had information about sex. And reproduction and pleasure, basically. I mean, my parents weren't talking to me about pleasure. But mm-hmm. I, when I, but from the very beginning, from my earliest memories, I knew that my body was mine, mm-hmm. that it was okay for me to touch it, um, I, that my room was private and no one was going to walk into it, um, and that sex was a good thing. And I, did, I mean, of course, what, wow. sex, what sex was... Um, changed from when I was like what that meant when I was six versus what that meant when I was 13. So I got more information about what sex was at 13. They weren't telling me I wasn't learning about intercourse.
0: You weren't giving all the gritty details.
1: No, no. But, but I knew that whatever sex was, it was a positive thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And, and that also, I mean, this is an interesting thing about the (laughs) the seventies. Is that uh, I, w- I? My understanding was that I, sh- I should have it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, which is an interesting thing because it's just another should in a that, way.
0: You're like um, the prototype for what the next generation will have more of, hopefully.
1: Right, but it still didn't work for me, right? I mean, I still it still fucked me up because it because okay. it, because, it, because it didn't reflect. So I had all of this, but actually, the problem with all the books that exist, and it really was until I wrote this book. So it's it, even today. All the books that exist for kids about sex start with, and even on the cover, it's always you always see the word boy and you see the word girl. Mm-hmm. And the way that we do education with kids is that the first thing you learn is there's boys and girls. Mm-hmm. And what you learn is... When you're born, you're a boy or a girl. And if you're a boy, you grow up to be a man. And if you're a girl, you grow up to be a woman. And you become a mom.
0: There's not space enough for, for any variation. There's
1: not space for any variation. It's not just, yeah, there's no space. So so the, the message very clearly to kids is you have to figure this out first. So you hop into a box, mm-hmm. right? You commit to a thing, boy or girl, and then we'll give you sex education. Um, and we do this all the time. We We require, wow. we require people... To uh, lie or erase, lies, a little stronger, but but to deny or erase parts of who they are in order to get the services that we provide. Right. Um,
0: Well, that is how it feels when I have to check boxes of my ethnicity or whatever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. And and everyone has different kinds of experience, right? Mm So it can be ethnicity, it can be race, and it can be gender, and can Mm -hmm. be it can be orientation. um, But that's that thing. And so one of the things I talk about when I'm teaching always is a training is that whenever you can, it's much better. to have people fill out, uh, fill out a blank space than to tick a box, right? That filling out spaces is always better than ticking boxes. Because ticking boxes, you don't learn anything. All you learn, all, if you tick a box about your ethnicity, what I learn is what you learned you were called, maybe what other people call you. I mean, I learn a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with who you so are. So
0: fill in that box whenever you get a chance.
1: Right, fill in the space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, actually, say a word, or or, or say many words. Um, It's like filling in blanks, right? So Hmm. you give someone a blank as opposed to giving them a box. Anyway, so... Fast forward <laughs> um, and so one of my really close friends is a guy and he 's a trans guy and he 's an educator um, and um, and he has he had, had a kid and him and I would talk about how shitty books for kids were about sex and also about gender, right so even the progressive ones. If when you read them carefully you're like eh, well, well you know you could you could be better I wish you would be better I wish you would say more things okay um, I'm not
0: that familiar with uh, sex, sex ed in children's, b- books. children's books
1: okay well so yes yeah, so um, so they're so most of them are not that good okay um, and they're like and, and they're very very clearly they're not about they're never about pleasure um, they're always about reproduction okay um, and they and they they're just la- embedded with lots of tricky messages okay um, um, that always have more to do with the author than anyone else right mm-hmm. that doesn't have to do with how kids are or how people are—it's like the author's values, um, but never said, right? So this is one of the things that that people are—we uh, uh, do this all the time—is we teach values, but we pretend it's science, Okay. Right? So we talk about so, for example, there's standards about like there's uh, sex ed standards about what, so at the age of like what's what? How do you raise a sexually healthy kid? Mm-hmm. You can go to like uh, Canada, it's the you know it's the Canadian Pediatric Association or I can't remember, but there's organizations that say. By the time your kid is four, they should know this. By the time your kid is ten, they should know really? this. Really? About yeah. sex? Yeah, about sex. And the, one of the first levels is they should know the difference between boys and girls. Well, tell oh. me what the fuck the difference is between boys and girls. And if you say boys have penises and girls have vulvas, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and to come back to science, everyone, like, everyone would agree that's actually not true. That mm-hmm. is not the difference. If you say penises and vulvas, and of course, they usually just say vaginas. They don't say vulvas. But, and
0: are you going to be looking at all your classmates' pants? You know, well, there
1: is that problem, but the, but the point penis. is that a yeah. penis actually is 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 one. Th- a penis is the reason people call you a boy. A penis actually isn't what makes you a boy or a male. It's not not only a penis. Um, we could go into gender, but you asked me about the kids' book, so let me just yes. get. Uh, sorry, I'm rambling. <laughs> so You're anyway, not rambling.
0: You just have a wealth. You have so many windows. Or you have <laughs> so many faults in your brain. So many
1: windows to walk out of. <laughs>
0: No, 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 wrong, no. no. Wrong sorry, Sorry,
1: sorry. Yes, thank you. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> um, so anyway, so my friend's son was four years old. Mm-hmm. And so my friend is trans. And so uh, he was born in a body that didn't have any sperm. His body didn't have any sperm when he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they used a sperm donor. And his partner's a woman. And so she carried their child. Mm-hmm. And um, they were going to have a second kid. And finally, their son started asking questions. Oh. And so... And and so my friend said emailed me and said, Okay, so so I want we wanna we started talking to him about it but we want, we wanted to love a book. So you can tell us what like what's the least bad book or <laughs> well, because none of these books would be inclusive of trans families. Because mm-hmm. all the books say that you were born because your dad had some sperm and your mom had some eggs and they made love. Mm-hmm. Right? This is what the books say. And it's like that, that, and what's interesting is that's not even true for lots of straight people anymore, right? exactly
0: yeah, some, it doesn't sometimes, follow sometimes,
1: that yeah some, sometimes there's a doctor involved, and sometimes it's your sperm and her egg, and sometimes you know, and then certainly it's not true for gay and lesbian and queer families and trans families so I wrote a story for for his son, and the goal originally was just to write a story that would work for a trans family mm-hmm. and then over a two year period, I read it with hundreds of kids and their parents um, just libraries, for fun or? no 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 this is very private in people's homes mm-hmm. so it was just an interesting so i had just it, it was in a work transition time and i had a little bit of free time and i had a little bit of money and so i was like you know what i'm just going to make this book and i wanted to make it was also important to me that it be a beautiful book that it, meaning physically it, that is, it I mean, feels beautiful bold this old color this is yeah this is actually worn down because this is my copy that i travel with see my name is there yeah it's um, written in there but it? but a brand new copy uh, is even nicer anyway so i ended up reading it with not just trans families but single parent families and families who had adopted and lesbian and gay families and et cetera. Et cetera. and it was really moving there were always i mean and, and it, but i mean the first draft was terrible and not like this at all uh, but eventually i got to a draft that i loved and i was going to produce it and i had a bunch of friends who had this was in 2000 and Twelve or eleven, so it was actually a little bit before Kickstarter had their first million dollar project. So it was before
2: mm-hmm. it
1: was everywhere. But I had I had I had some friends that had used Kickstarter, and I even though I don't like really being in public, I decided you know what I should try this, and so I created Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and I knew my goal was I had to raise ninety five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and I really felt like I would be hustling for the thirty days, and honestly I was like I'll hustle for thirty days, and in the end I'll go to my family and I'll say can you give me a thousand <laughs> dollars. Um, to raise his money. Um, and what happened is that we raised that in the first twenty-four hours. Holy heck! Yeah, and then uh, by the end of the third days, we had raised over sixty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, it was the most. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah, did you most... have a,
0: a lot of? Now, did you feel good about that, or did yeah. you have a lot of anxiety?
1: Oh, I always have a lot of anxiety. We, have, <laughs> okay. we haven't talked about that. This is uh, that may, maybe yeah. it's gonna be a, uh, off a of podcast, but Cupcake. yes, I struggle with anxiety a lot. Okay. Um, so I did, but it was also amazing because what because it went sort of viral. Um, but what ha- what that meant in my case. Was all of these people, mostly families, were emailing me saying, telling me their story about how their family came to be, how they made a baby, how they've never seen that in a book, and that I was promising to write a book. So basically, the goal, <gasps> the, the promise of the book was that it would be a book that would work for any kind of kid and any kind of family.
0: Oh my goodness, um, how, what. How valuable that you'd have all that input?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so the book was written, and so the the book was crowdfunded and not, but not crowdsourced. So uh, the people didn't really ha- help. Like people helped make the book better before I went for the money. But what was valuable? I mean, what was so amazing was, I mean, it was just like, I mean, I spent a lot of time in front of my computer crying because because it really was about a moment where. You know, it started with queer people, but it, but then it, it did. It sort of branched out like, folks that had adopted. And you
0: found the connecting point between different groups. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it was amazing. And, yeah, it was unbelievable. So then what happened was it was so popular mm-hmm. that, like, then it got written about. And so then I got approached by a bunch of publishers. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was this amazing publisher called Seven Stories Press. And they're mm-hmm. in New York, and they're this lefty publisher that I loved. And so, um, I, I published, so I did the Kickstarter so we, mm-hmm. we printed and sold 4,000 copies since that was done.
2: Fantastic.
1: And then, but then I signed a three book deal with them. Mm-hmm. So they, they have now reprinted what makes a baby mm-hmm. and the next one's coming out, uh, next year in the spring. And it's, it's, it's like huge. It's 160 pages. And so it's a book for eight to 10 year olds about sex and there's no reproduction in it. Um, well- so there's no, oh, so no reproduction at all. So it's about bodies. It's about gender. It's about touch.
0: Because Reproduction would be more of like a little slightly older
1: book? Well, well, this the first book is about reproduction. So this is for four to six-year-olds, and it's only about reproduction. I wanted to skip Reproduction in the middle. Cause, so what's what's unique about this book, mm-hmm. What Makes a Baby, is that it actually, it's the first book that separates sex from reproduction. So there's no sex in this book. I see. So we don't talk about intercourse. Not because, like, oh,
0: you fall in love, and then it happens. There's no bed
1: with two people in it. Um, uh, because that's not the only way you make babies. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to write a book, and I wanted a book that was illustrated that actually doesn't shut off these possibilities right so the problem is again like you know one of the things that was worth like why i really wanted this book to be out there is single parent families it really pisses me off mm-hmm. that if i'm a single dad or a single mom and i want to do the sex education piece not the piece about how our family came to be but i want my kid to actually know where babies come from yeah. which, is sec- which is different than how a family is made mm-hmm. I if I want to do that r- before this book came out, I would have to pick up a book that shows a mom and a dad. So I would have to talk to my kid, and of course, then questions like, "Well, where's the mom?" If I'm a single dad, it's like, "Well, well you know, I thought you know." And
0: suddenly, something's missing. Something's suddenly, missing. you're you're broken. Exactly. Exactly. That's
1: bad. right. There's something wrong with you. Um, you're not normal, and da da da. So so that was so so this book so this book did that. Uh, what makes a baby did that, but um. So, it separated sex from reproduction, and it's just the reproduction part. So, the next book is just the sex part.
0: I'm having feelings. Okay. Have because feelings. growing that's, up. It's good to
1: have feelings. Yeah, yes. It's hard sometimes.
0: It is hard. It's. I mean, and I think this is feeding into a lot of what I've been thinking about and picking up on lately around um, how I haven't, you know, growing up half Filipino, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't see a lot of myself at all. I didn't see any right. of myself on TV. Right. Right. <laughs> Um and my sexuality and my relationship style and mm-hmm. so just so much of my of who I felt I was inside and what I resonated toward was nowhere to be found and mm-hmm. so I felt just other I felt alien mm-hmm. and that I was isolated and, and you know from what was out there because I was so different mm-hmm. and just kind of I think I'm re- having a connective moment where I'm realizing how how much... I mean, the fact that anyone... Like, I have plenty of friends who are in a single-parent home that time Because I also... <laughs> this is... I have had people write because they get mad at me because the beginning of my show... Yeah. Um, I have an intro. Okay. And the intro is, um, you know, it, it's you... <laughs> It's like some really uh, parade music, and okay. these kids are like, "Yay!" And then like oh, the nice. the record stops, and I'm like, "Wait, what are all these kids doing in here?" <laughs> like, if you have any, if you're under eighteen, go ask your mom. And I say that, okay. And I absolutely, fully, 100% understand that not everyone has a mom. It's true, and, and some people never had a mom. Yep. I also need people to give me the space to know that, and and to trust that that is a holding place for any guardian mm-hmm. any authority you've got right. this is get out of here right. just go away
2: right, right. like
0: that is what i'm trying to say right. cuz right. i can't give right. you
1: stuff right. anything right
0: um <laughs> and so and i by
1: the way probably isn't true but but anyway that's different
0: concept. well
1: i but i know what you're, legally not, your, po- I your not, podcast your no no your podcast is not right. about that but i just wanted to make sure that sometimes people think like i can't you know i'm good with this good people you. no but i yeah, appreciate
0: yeah. it yes um and so it's like, because so
1: people I, you, sometimes people give you a hard time about this.
0: Yes. Yeah. Not, not tons of people, right. but I think people who are really sensitive to right, that. And right, are often right, right. The people who write me are often angry mm-hmm. because they're worried about other people. They're not having a response to their own personal experience, <sighs> mm, but they're okay. like, you know, some people, those people, like they were defending another. Right. Group, right. And, 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 but I, I care that they care. Yeah. And I, I guess I just, because I spend so much of my energy making space for other people mm-hmm. and creating safe space mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. acknowledging other people's experience. Mm. Not that I'm perfect, but right. I try. Right, right. Yeah. I'm just like, you know what? I'm keeping this one, you right. guys. For right. now, right. I, just, I need that. Okay. Give me that.
1: Okay. <laughs> but okay, I understand. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, inter- it's interesting, though. So, I mean, I think that you have a right to keep it and it's yours. Um, and, and you just need to be always ready for that. And then the other thing is that and I don't, I don't want to make an argument that you should change it, but, but the thing to know, do you want me do you want me to say something? Yeah, or, please Oh, yeah, so. okay. yeah.
0: Challenge me. I so, love
1: it. No, it's not, but it's not challenging, but it's just about the thing to know is that when it's like, it's that it's that sometimes it's the last straw. So like, here's the thing, this thing about you're, you're excluding other people. That's nice that they're worried about other people. Um, it, uh, but I also think, but there's a thing about. I mean, particularly, I mean, because again, I think that race comes into this, particularly when it's white people that are always like the white savior complex. It's like that, okay. But you also people people. It's hard for people to speak up for themselves, and they also can. And when there's space, they will. Um, but the thing about but the thing about it is that it's often the last straw. It's like you know what? Uh, get like it's like I had a really shitty day of never being acknowledged. And, um, and I'm really, the other thing is about how much people want a home, right? So, and I've heard about this great sex nerd, Sandra, 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 right?
0: Sandra, soft Sa- day. Yes. Sa- yeah, thank, you. thank you. Soft
1: day. Yes. Um, Deep Throat it. Just yes. Aw. Okay. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Shock me with that. Um, it's,
0: you know,
2: but it helps people remember, Sandra, you know, I'm never going to forget. <laughs> it.
1: Um, so, um, people, are, someone's like, uh, you know, so here's the thing. Someone listens to your podcast and they love it, and they feel like they haven't heard someone like this before, and they feel like they really have connected with you, and they tell a good friend. And that friend similarly has always felt fucked up and shitty about their sex sexuality and sex life. And a, a woman talking about sex and, and they, they get really excited. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to this and this is going to be the thing that's been missing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then at the opening, it's like, fuck, she just did this thing. <laughs> She's just proven herself to not give a shit about me. Mm-hmm. And it feels so, and it feels like a, it feels like a personal attack. Um, and that's, and it, and it feels painful. And, it, and, and, and from one perspective, it's, you could say, it's like overreacting, which is not what you said, but some people will say that. Um, but I'm just, you know, I mean, so for me, you know, and it's different. It's different for each of us. Like, I feel like, again, when you're white, you got more work to do. You just do. Mm-hmm. And and I I would agree with someone that at some point, like 5,000 years from now, let's pretend we're not going to have destroyed the planet. We will have. but Let's <laughs> pretend we were still around 5,000 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there will be a time when it isn't true that white people have to do more work, but that time is not now. So they do. So I think actually it really is, it behooves me a lot more in some ways to be thinking about this stuff. Um, uh, but it's different for everyone. Anyway, the point is, you know, I, I, I think there has to be space for you to just also, if that's, if that's the... Like, to be yourself, right? But I think as long as you're willing to keep hearing it... And, I, and again, the other thing is I th- is that what I would hope is that, like... And we're making a big deal of this little thing. But uh, that um, um, when someone... If someone were to come to you with it and it's their experience, as long as you're never dismissive of that, which I don't think you ever would be, then you keep it.
0: Yeah, no, never...
1: Yeah. I do think those people who are, like... dismissive of someone's... Those people might get hurt... I actually have it. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't quite know. I mean, I'm not. My, I'm not my sharpest right now. I feel like there's something a little bit fucked up about that, <laughs> right? I feel like they're doing like, like, like. What well, is that about? Why? Well, okay, that's great that you're worried about these other people. I think it's maybe it's this ally thing, right? It's like I'm going to be an ally by telling you. P.S. a woman of color, which what, I mean, like complicated things, and I don't know how you identify per se, but anyway, uh, that's how you get red. Um, I didn't tell you, you're doing the shitty thing. You're I didn't know I was a, a person ally. of
0: color until a few years ago. I had no idea. Well,
1: it's a it's an interesting question. That's why I didn't, I, I what I said, I, no, I, I used the term and then I said, it's how, but the issue is it is how you're going to get red, right. depending on where you are. Right. But most places you, I mean, I'm sitting here so I can see you. Most places you're going to get red as a person of color. They're going to be like, but, and of course what it's going to be is like, where are you from? Right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're not some clear, you know, you're not some clear mm-hmm. ethnic stereotype. That people hold in their heads. Ah,
0: uh, but where are we going with this? Oh,
1: um, okay. Well, with the book. So we, I was just finishing explaining the book. So the book. So the goal of the book became about um, how do you tell a story, about how do you teach about reproduction mm-hmm. without excluding so many people, right? Yeah. And, and how do you, uh, you know, um, and then the and then then the what I realized through reading to so many kids is that if you're reading a book about where babies come from to a human being no matter what their experience is. Like, so the question was kind of, one of the questions for me is, is there anything that's common that we all share?
2: Mm-hmm. right?
1: And I always find that an interesting question. And I think that when you unpack it, the answer is very rarely, the, most of the time the answer is no.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: I really don't know many universal things, except if I'm reading a story to a live human being, mm-hmm. something that I can say about that person is that they're alive and they were born. And so I wanted to tell a story that actually connects all of us in a okay. way. So the thing that connects one six-year-old to another six-year-old is they were both born, mm-hmm. which is not a fucking small thing, right? To be born and still be alive. Mm-hmm. It's not a small thing. And it's major. That is yeah. major. It's we ma- all made it's a, it. A, it yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and a lot of us don't, right? For a lot of reasons, right? And some of us are less likely to make it than others for reasons that have nothing to do with who we are and have everything to do with the world as it is and racism and sexism and homophobia and et cetera. Um, not et cetera, but all of those things, Stru- structural violence, um, structural
0: violence. Good way to describe that. Anyway.
1: So I wanted to tell a story that would connect all, 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 all of us. And, let people talk about the uniqueness of their birth experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was, that's what this book does. So this book allows parents, or a pa- parent, or parents, or just an adult, or I mean, some sex educators are using it now, um, to talk to a kid about their individual story while also saying, actually, there is something we all share, which is that we're all on the planet together. Um, and so that was, that, that was the goal of What Makes a Baby.
0: Aww. The long answer. I, this is. I mean, now I really want to read it, because okay. I've only seen parts of it.
1: Um, I, don't, and I, I, can, I can read it if you want. I don't know if it's weird to do that on a podcast. The book,
0: <laughs> i definitely, probably wouldn't totally work. <laughs> yeah. I I do love the smiling, I've never seen such a friendly sperm before.
1: Yes. Sperm, now, smiling. you're a nerd, so does this remind you of anything? Because Fiona Smith, who's my good friend and the illustrator, and I did not know this, but once the book... Made it out into the real world. Uh, um, There's a character on, and I can't remember what the name of the show is, but the character's name is, no, No. the character's name is Lemon Garb.
0: Oh, no, I'm not familiar.
1: Okay. It's some show that's a wild show. So, anyway, the sperm looks a lot like this character. That's a well known character. Oh, and um, the
0: egg and the sperm are dancing. Yes, the
1: egg and the sperm dancing. Yeah, so I use this metaphor of dance. So this is actually a little sciencey thing that you'll appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, um, God, do it's you such know... a
0: beautiful, but it's just so vibrant. Yes, and not beautiful in like like a Thomas Kincaid boring kind of way, but right. like just like <laughs> makes me like just excited. It is
1: excited. It's exciting. So, do you know a woman named Emily Martin? No nope. she's an anthropologist you should read her you'll like her so she wrote a book i think the book she's written many books and one of them i think it's called the sperm and the egg or something she did um she does research where basically she's essentially, she embeds herself with scientists. Um, so she's this is what anthropologists do. They hang out yeah, and they yeah, pay yeah. attention. I, yeah.
0: I wanted to be one of those. People. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. 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 Well, okay. Um, so, and she's the one who kind of wrote up and made kind of public this interesting thing, which is that the way that we always talk about sperm and egg uh, is, is, can be found in most of the science literature as well, which is that the sperm is always, and the way it is in kids books, the sperm is always marching towards the egg, right? The sperm penetrates the egg. It's all this, Stuff about um, the sperm being aggressive and the egg being passive, mm-hmm. and the sperm being male and the egg being female. But sperm is not male or female. Male and female are genders, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and 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 sperm has uh, you know uh, anyway. So, so the thing is mm-hmm. that what scientists and I don't remember the timing of this, but the truth is that what we know is in fact the egg has a lot of the egg has a lot of roles. So the egg actually emits hormones or Right,
0: right, I heard about that. And
1: draws the sperm in. But the truth is that both the egg and the sperm are completely active participants in that connection. How interesting. But but essentially, I mean, I'm summarizing very great research, but essentially, sorry, essentially it is um you know, it's it's structural it's inherent sexism, right? It's it's impossible not to think about the egg as the female. So of course she's lying down with her legs open and looking at yeah, the ceiling. Yeah, I always imagined, right? I mean, I knew the right?
0: sperms just sort of dig into her. That's and, right, and
1: exactly. But but that's, that is something we as humans, and in particular, male scientists, it's a narrative they wrote. It's, it isn't actually the way it happens scientifically. Mm-hmm. So the question was in this book, so I knew this work, and it was very influential for me to realize, like, oh, it was a beginning of, like, when you talk about uh, wanting to be more literate around science, like, that was like, oh... You know, it's like, oh, fuck, you know, because of course I just absorbed all this stuff and like, well, scientists are telling me. And so it's mm-hmm. reading her. I was like, oh, OK, I need to start reading more carefully and learning to be more literate, as, mm-hmm. as, as you're saying. And um, so the question is, how do we talk about a thing? And I don't know if, if you've had this. It's a very great sex educator conversation, which we don't have to have, huh. but which is the thing about if you want to talk about penile vaginal intercourse, how, try to talk about it, you know, talk about the vagina, in a way what happens in penile vaginal intercourse and give the agency to the vagina. Yes. Make the vagina active. What, what does a vagina do during penile vaginal intercourse?
0: It receives, it hangs out and handles the fact
1: that it's getting penetrated. It opens but up. That's not active. You make it, make it, make it the, make, make it the active.
0: Sorry, I thing. heard two different questions, okay. which is oh, make make, give them, give the vag agency. And then also what does actually happen? It's,
1: It's hard. Don't, don't, don't feel No, It's it's challenging. It's it's challenging. What enveloping what like, so it's this, and this is, it's an ongoing, I have this conversation online a lot, uh, with sex educators that I really like because it's almost impossible. It swallows. Okay. That's, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But it's, but, but it's these, it's, it's so, the stuff is so embedded in our language that it's hard. And this is so how fucked up it is. It's hard to think about things that we call female as being active and powerful. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so the question was bring the sperm and the egg together. What metaphor was I going to use when, uh, I wanted to find a metaphor that would give both parts, like what's a metaphor for sperm and egg that allows both of them to be kind of equal. Um, and so I came up with dancing
0: Ah. Yeah. I,
1: so the, yeah, so the dance, I the thing that you're talking about, the, the dance is because I wanted, I didn't want it to be the sperm is penetrating the egg um, because that's one way of looking at it.
0: Oh, right, and then they tell each other stories. They tell each other stories,
1: they, which is sharing DNA, right? So that's right, right, right,
0: that's right. The science, oh, sorry, did I ruin the... No, way you ruin no, you did. No, could. that's right, because... Um, when it was on brain picking yeah. So I love that I get to meet and talk with you mm-hmm. Just after I've
1: I know, it's very funny <laughs>
0: Yeah um, But I love that the egg and the sperm Both have stories of where they came from right. And they come together and they dance And yeah. they tell each other their stories Right,
1: right And then, uh, and then they make a new thing And they're not, th- they're not two things anymore They're just one, they're one brand new thing
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Corey Silverberg Where can people find you out in the world?
1: Uh, um, well, online, <laughs> they, the, 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 so the place I do most of my writing is about.com. So the website is just sexuality.about.com. Fantastic. Um, the book is at what makes what makes a baby.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, so on Twitter. I'm at about sexuality. Um, uh, but actually, if anyone actually wanted to find me, go to About.com, click on the About Me, and just email me. Okay. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm of the age that I still really like email. Um, but they can find me on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook. I mean, I'm, I'm on all those places. They can just search. There's not that many Corey Silverbergs.
0: Corey, this has been a magical romp around okay. the sex ed kingdom. Okay,
1: I'm glad. I hope it was Okay.
0: It was great. Okay. My fun is going to be figuring out what to title this episode. Oh,
1: I know. No, that's one of the fun
0: <laughs> parts of it is okay. sometimes I go into a conversation thinking it's going to be one thing. Mm-hmm. It turns into something way deeper and mm-hmm. way way more uh, fascinating than I even intended it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I look forward to that part. So don't okay. cringe, about okay, no, no, cringe about it. No, I'm not going to cringe about it. No am Yes,
1: no cringing. Yeah.
0: Um, thank you so much. Thank you. And as we nice say on my show. Yes. Go team fun.
1: Go team fun. Is that what you say? (laughs) Yes. That's so adorable. Thank
0: you.
2: Okay. It's a whole story about
1: that. Okay. Well, I'll have to hear it next time. Yeah. Cupcakes. Okay. Bye. Bye.
2: (laughs) Now leaving Nerdist.com.